Go. All right. Welcome to episode 93 of the Send the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Vert. Say what's up to people, Chuck. What's up? Uh, yeah, you guys remember us. We, you know, we, we used to do this pretty frequently, and now we just kind of do it when we feel like it. Welcome to episode uh, 93 of Setting the Edge. And since the last time we recorded, an entire football season has been played, and the world has started to end. So uh, we can't just recap the entire season uh i will say it was I'm, i will say we i'm glad that we can uh get this patrick mahomes super bowl ring conversation out the way now instead of harping over his entire career wondering whether he's good enough to win a super bowl so that's really all i have to say about the season oh and lamar jackson was awesome told you guys uh and it's kind of cool to see all these black quarterbacks at the top of the league right now uh do you have anything else to say about the season uh, no, I can't imagine any other team played in some sort of championship game that was heartbreaking or anything like that. So we could just skip over 20 yeah, games if you want to. I wouldn't classify what you talk about as heartbreaking. We knew pretty yeah, fast that it was fair. over. It was like 2016 where Packers went in with the uh, Falcons. And it was like, oh, well, I guess it was cool to be here, but like it's about to go down. Yeah, and the – the uh, 2016 season ended right there, as everybody knows. But let's not harp on that before we get too sad. Uh, so the off season is, I guess, just about over. I mean, there's a lot of, even if the NFL isn't saying it, like there's a, a bit more uncertainty on when the season starts. But we've at least gotten through the big wave of free agency and the draft. So we figure we do a little off season recap and then talk about what in the hell is going on with Corona World. So uh, we're going to start off with the new coaches. Like the new coaches, there were five new coaches this year who got hired. Mike McCarthy went to Dallas. Matt Rule went from Baylor to the Carolina Panthers. Joe Judge is the head coach of the Giants now. Ron Rivera talked his way very quickly into being the new head coach in Washington. And Kevin Stefanski is taking over in Cleveland. As a diehard Mike McCarthy fan, how do you think Cowboys fans should feel about this hire as we're talking about three months after it happens? Uh, get used to getting gaslit very quickly. You need to adjust to just not trusting anything he says in a microphone, which I thought was funny because, like, he said, like, he's like, I've seen all the film. I spent all this time looking at analytics. And then, like, in his opening press conference, he was like, yeah, I fucking lied about that. And then you could see, like, Stephen, Stephen Jones – just like laugh very nervously while on stage with him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was one of the first times that I have been like, Hey, I kind of relate to Mike McCarthy because like who, who hasn't tried to lie to, you know, I- increase their chances of getting the job or not lie, but you know, maybe, maybe uh, make yourself seem a little bit more favorable than, uh, than you actually are. But honestly, I don't, I don't really know how much changes for Dallas, like from Mike, Mc- from, from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy, I mean, not uh, if Helen Moore's still going to run the offense. Yeah, right? for now. Like and like you said, Mike said that Kellen's going to run the offense, uh, and we'll see if that actually holds. But like Cowboys, I think Cowboys fans should feel excited about the 2020 season, whether they kept Jason Garrett or hired someone else. Because I mean, that team was way better than. At least to me, it was way better than their eight and eight record would suggest. I mean, they lost a, a bunch of close games. They had horrific special teams play, and even if you just go look at like uh, 
pro football references expect the wins. They they finished the season with eight wins, but they're expected to get 10.7. I think football outsizes is about the same. Uh, the, the offense was really good last year, even if they kind of, you know, stuttered a little bit towards the end of the season. This this team just feels like, and I know it like people are just going to flame me automatically because it's the Cowboys, but I feel like this team should be taken seriously as a Super Bowl contender. Uh, they have a really good quarterback. Offensive line is still going to be fine without Travis Frederick, and now they have arguably the best receiver trio in the league. Like, if the offense can stay healthy, I really have a hard time seeing how this team doesn't contend for you know one of the top seeds in the in the NFC playoffs. The big thing I worry about them is pass rush. I guess just uh, pass defense in general, right? Yeah. If you're losing Byron Jones because you paid everyone, including Zeke Elliott, right, which contributed to him leaving. And then, like, you got D-Law, but then outside of that, I mean, you have pass prime, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, and then you're basically banking that other DN position on, like, Bradley Anai, I think is how you say his name, the Utah pass rusher who's kind of stiff. Um, yeah. The suspended Randy Gregory and Alden Smith, who has resurfaced. Um, that How did that is, happen? Look, I'm not sure. Uh, last I heard of Alden Smith, it was like the very sad TMZ videos and stuff of him like walking out of court. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're basically having to rebuild a secondary at the same time as rebuilding a pass rush. And I'm not really a big fan of uh, Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback they took in the second round. I knew yeah. I, I know they wanted Chase on pretty bad um, in the first round. The LSU pass rusher, I wasn't a huge fan of him, and he actually went to pick after them, um, basically because CD Lamb ended up dropping in the draft so far. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're better off with CD Lamb than they would have been off with Chase on. I don't think Chase on is the answer as a as a full time pass rusher anytime soon. Um, but you know, I still got questions on defense. Yeah, I mean, the defense definitely has questions. And I, I think any time you're in a situation where, like, you're kind of relying on your linebackers to play well, which, I mean, I, I think, you know, when they're on top of the game, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are, are, like, a pretty good duo. But uh, it's it's a little hard for that to be, like, the best area of your defense. I mean, we already talked about DeMarcus Lawrence. He's a stud. Uh, outside of that, I'm not really sure – who else is going to be getting these sacks because Michael Bennett is gone. Robert Quinn has gone off to the Chicago bears. Malik Collins is now in Oakland with Rob Marinelli. It, it's, it's kind of a one man show. I, I mean, I, I think it's just like peak Jerry Jones to come out and sign Alden Smith. I mean, Hey, if, if he, it, on the, on the very, very slim chance that he can look like Alden Smith of old, I mean, that's like the free agent signing of like the best free agent signing of all time. Uh, Getting yeah, Alden, like at his age, was like, I'm pretty sure if you look at like the uh, the sack marks, like no one's done what he's done at like 24, other than like maybe Sean Merriman or something like that. So, yeah, I I I don't think anyone saying they def- definitely know how it's gonna work out. I think anyone saying that is probably probably lying to you a little bit, but. You know, it, it, it's I'm just kind of intrigued to see how all these pieces fit together because it's a lot of names that we've heard of. Uh, some guys that haven't been good in a few years, and then like you have the top dog, Demarcus Lawrence. So I, I think that we might see the the loss of Rod Marinelli rear its head in an ugly way this year because uh, he's one of the best defensive line coaches ever. And 
you know, he, he was instrumental in getting Demarcus Lawrence up to speed, even Malik Collins being like a serviceable pass rusher after being a third round pick. Like that's going to be a pretty big loss for them. But uh, I don't know. I, I just think the offense is good enough that they can kind of buoy their their defense and, and make it to a high season playoffs. Now, like once you get there and you have a defense that might be weak, then you're dealing with issues. But, you know, for for now, I'm 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 pretty excited about this Cowboys team. And I'm, uh, I, I, I personally think they're definitely Super Bowl contenders. And maybe maybe if the Cowboys win this year, maybe not win the Super Bowl, but win a bunch of games. This is the year that Dak Prescott finally gets his respect because he should have gotten it last year. And quite frankly, it's insane that he hasn't even been paid yet. Yeah, I don't even know what we do with, like, Dak Prescott truthers at this point. Like, he should be getting paid, and within, like, three years, he's going to be a pretty consistent pro bowler. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't even know. Like, once these old quarterbacks die, like, how many of these quarterbacks are you actually going to want over Dak? Right, it's gonna be like Mahomes, Lamar. That's basically it. <laughs> and yeah. Lamar, I mean, you're gonna have questions about like the offense and injuries. I mean, mm-hmm. Mahomes has gotten hurt too. Like Dak doesn't miss games, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like like you alluded to, there's about to be a, a huge exit of quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, in the in the next couple of years, we could see Rodgers, Big Ben, Brady. Matt Ryan, uh, Philip Rivers, Rivers, Breeze, Breeze, um, you know, like all these guys are going to be gone. And, and like Wilson, by that point, probably should be declining just based off of his age. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, there's a, there's a chance that we're looking at a future unless, you know, we get a couple more Patrick Mahomes entering the league, which I don't think is likely because that's like a once in a generation type production that you're going to be wanting to get your hands on someone like Dak Prescott, who's going to end up being like a top five producer at quarterback as we kind of, you know, enter the, the, like the, the last era of quarterbacks exiting the league. So, you know, give Dak his, his respect. He's produced, he's never missed a game. And I I, did, I think a lot of the anti pain him stuff comes from the fact that he was just so underdrafted relative to what he's done, that it just kind of feels like a fluke. Like you don't have any borderline fifth round picks uh, being pro bowl talent quarterbacks. And it's just kind of weird for people to comprehend. Like if he was, if he was the, the fourth pick in the draft, like where they picked Zeke, I, I think he probably already had his deal by now. Yeah. You could go, I think I linked it in like one of our chats, but like, you can go look at the uh, what is it called? Ask five, the thing Daniel Daniel Jeremiah does, where he asks like five executives um, mm-hmm. a question and gets different answers. And it was after like the Dak Goff Wentz rookie year, and they were like, "I guess you'd want Dak now, but we'll see how this plays out." Type thing, or they were like people justify where they had people in the draft for years and years and years and years and years after these selections have been made, even if they weren't on either side of drafting these guys, right? Mm. So it's it's a pretty hard pill to swallow to say, yeah, Dak Prescott is, you know, a future top five quarterback in this league when we pass on him in the fourth round, right? That's a hard reality to live to. And I think uh, people kind of tried to save themselves from that reality sometimes. Yeah, is people just got to remember your uh, your draft takes don't actually matter unless you are employed by one of 32 teams and you are picking the players. Exactly. That, picking the players is the very important part because I was going to say right, there, right. there are many people in those buildings who basically have are getting paid to work in the draft but have virtually no influence. Yeah. Uh, so Dallas, 
uh, sign your quarterback, please. It just makes no sense to leave this dangling. Uh, one team that does not have a long-term option at quarterback yet and also has a new head coach is Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers. And we can kind of sandwich in. Wow, the, Teddy Bridgewater slander. I mean, I don't Tell know. Me that's it, not a $20 million quarterback. He is, but he's only guaranteed for two years pretty much. Yeah, P.J. Walker Hive. The, the Teddy Bridgewater thing, too, is like the point that I always make when Packer fans talk about Jordan Love and potentially getting that extension the last year of his rookie deal, because that's what happened with Rodgers, right? But Rodgers in this climate would at least get what Teddy got. So that's $20 million. So it's like the long play is like, yeah, we're going to save money on Jordan Love's second contract. Then it's like you're going to save $10 million per year off of it, and then you're paying all this money to him as a first-round pick when you could have just had a UDFA backup, right? So it's like, does the money even make sense? Plus the cost of the pick, too. Yeah. Uh, we're in a weird spot with quarterbacks. I think I've said it before, but I think, you know, backup quarterbacks are going to start getting a lot more money. I don't think people realize how valuable even that position is. Like, is a backup mm-hmm. quarterback worth more than a guard? That's a real conversation that people are going to need to start having soon because there are very few guys who start 16 games a year yeah and that one conversation i never ever want to have is is a backup quarterback more important than a running back i'm i'm burnt out (laughs) conversation so bad uh but this offense you for a team that's supposedly tanking or in rebuilding mode i guess you know that's maybe what panthers fans expected like this offense you could do a lot worse with the skill talent uh DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, the Sun God. I mean, that that's not a bad group of skilled players to have. Like we'll see how how well Joe Brady kind of orchestrates this thing as he come up comes over from LSU. But like I, I just don't I don't know if that team can be so bad that they end up with Trevor Lawrence or or Justin Fields next year. Like, I mean, the defense very well could be the worst in the league because they were brutal to end the season. But like that offense has enough to get like five or six wins i think yeah they spent didn't they spend every single pick on the defensive side i don't think they made a pick on off uh yeah i'm, I'm like 90 percent sure that that's exactly what they did five six yeah they spent all six seven picks on the defensive side so like they're trying to get better on that way on that side in the draft. yeah uh th- like this team is not completely awful and maybe some panthers fans want it to be awful but it looks like they're going to try to compete in matt rules first year there and hey like if it if it goes poorly he still has like six more years left on his deal at full control and no one really to get him out of the paint so yeah the, the good news is it's like gruden if if he's bad you still can't get rid of him so you just yeah. gotta, gotta live with him i guess that's the good news uh russell Kuntrade, that was weird very weird uh i don't know why they felt like doing that like i, I think trey turner might have like he hasn't played as well as he was like right before he got paid but he's still a young guy that you'd like to keep and okung is not that yeah okung is just living on tweets to the nflpa where they just start rejecting his i, I don't know what that and bitcoin yeah yeah it's pretty weird like it, it, it's weird to see like a guy or not a guy just anybody in the middle of a pandemic just like raging about bitcoin online like it's like eh, i don't know this feels a little bit weird uh i, I don't know like I, I don't really have full thoughts on bitcoin but like an nfl offensive tackle just raging online about bitcoin in the middle of pandemic is a little, is a little bit funny to me uh i don't really even know 
what what's the play there? Uh, because that's and like the, the an Chargers all, that's like an all in that bookend too is a really weird thing. Because like the log is going to play right tackle for him, but right now the Chargers because they moved Okun, we're now looking at a battle of Trent Stott, Sam Tevy, Trey Pipkins, and I guess Storm Norton who is in the XFL. Yeah. Fight left tackle. That is pretty insane. Because I think everyone had the Chargers pegged down at either quarterback or left tackle at six. And then they made the pick at, with Herbert. So you'd assume they'd take an offensive tackle because they had such a glaring need with their next pick. But then they ended up trading up for Kenneth Murray. And it was like, all right, well, there goes your draft. And now you don't have any offensive tackles. Yeah. And they've kind of needed offensive tackles for like the past two off seasons. Pretty like a pretty apparent need. I don't I don't know what is the deal there. And I I don't I did not get the move to trade up for Kenneth Murray. Like I think if you're going to take Kenneth Murray, you have to believe that you are just like an absolute god-tier coach where I can, you know, get these habits out of him where he's just chasing stuff like a dog and he gets confused against like, you know, even just like any play with like one or two pullers, he's getting completely lost and getting caught behind the plays and uh Obviously, the the physical traits are so outstanding, but from a pure linebacking perspective, like a pure NFL linebacker perspective, he needs to be rebuilt from the like from the bottom up. Uh, it, it's it was a very like unstructured style of play that Oklahoma asked him to do, and now he's going to be asked to be like a real linebacker. You you can't just kind of sit three four yards away from the line of scrimmage and just chase whatever comes because you know that's how you become a, a big time marked man in the NFL. Right, he's like the Josh Allen of linebackers, where it's like, he's not good, but boy, is he fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, it's really fun, like, watching him be late on his read against someone, like, against a running back going to the edge, and he still beats him before he can get, like, five yards down the field. That's fun. Uh, but, like, those players are pretty easy to exploit in the NFL. Uh the next team, I mean, is there anything left to say about the Panthers? Because uh, we kind of got derailed there a little bit. But do you want to talk about no Joe more. Brady? Yeah. Uh, we were just having this talk today about, like, which college coaches you think are the happiest with their moves. And I think we're both in the camp of, like, there's no chance college football is going to happen this year. I can't imagine how Matt Rule and Joe Brady feel. They're like, oh, boy, yeah. I sure cashed out at the right time. And now, like, I have a stable job that is not – gonna deduct my pay and all that stuff um, yeah because no, like, yeah go ahead i was say we watched some of that baylor stuff or at least i know i have with uh or you you watched yeah, like, some of the rpo stuff and i watched them for when denzel mims got drafted by the jets like that team was not very good and i think like for you to get to 10 and 3 like you just gotta capitalize on that and just keep that thing moving like to, to go from temple to baylor to full control of an nfl team for like five plus years is incredible hustling i i gotta respect like all of that uh even well, if they, I, said, I, they said his stuff right like the uh because he spent that year with the giants right because he didn't get along with the dazio at temple um so he spent that year with the giants and they were talking about you know his connection to gettleman because there were rumors that you know matt rule might sign with the giants and stuff and it came out that, like, Gettleman didn't even, like, know his name because Rule was working at such a low-level uh, job for the Giants. He was basically, like, running papers and stuff just because he wanted to get out of Temple. And then uh, Adazio made the move, and he moved back to uh, Temple the year after. But, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean it's I... an incredible run to go from – I mean, Joe Brady, too. I mean, he was a quality control guy 
right for the Saints. Mm-hmm. And like three years later, he's um, he's the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. The one thing that I'll say about Joe Brady is, um, so we talked to some guys with the XFL, right? Um, specifically in in college football because they were really interested in our uh, player to coach technology and the helmets. Because mm-hmm. um, unlike the NFL where they have one green dot or college where no one is mic'd up in the helmets, um, the XFL had every single, I think, at least skill player and defensive player um, connected to the coaches to get the, the calls in. And one of the things that I had heard um, college coaches were really interested in was that because they want that rule to be changed in college. We'll see how that works with COVID and funding getting cut and all that stuff. But um, they want they want to coach the player technology because of LSU and Joe Brady and stuff. Because I guess the whole idea was that Joe Brady basically asked Joe Burrow, what do you like? Joe Burrow said, I want five in the route, right? So the offensive line coaches figure, all right, well, that makes our protections a lot easier if the only thing that we have to do is get good at five-man protections. Um, and it's, it, it's hard to get good at five-man protections, but if it's the only thing that you're doing, basically, in your drop-back passing game, um, it becomes more of a strength than having to mix up six, uh, seven, and five-man protections, right? Um, mm-hmm. But one of the big things is if you look at, like, the empty – because I made a cut-up of uh, Joe Burrow's empty stuff, right, from the All-22, and you could see him looking at the sideline constantly. And a coach told us that, like, LSU's um, sideline guys were, like, the best sign stealers they've ever seen, right? So, like, how does that translate – to the NFL level for either Brady or Burrow when you're not signaling and basically anything from the sideline, right? That's a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't get over the come up that he's had. It's because you know, people kind of forget that he wasn't the only person calling plays for LSU last year. And he mm-hmm. kind of got, he kind of got branded as the, the boy Argen- genius, the boy genius form. And I mean, maybe he's just a, a complete savant, but that's something to monitor at least this year with the Panthers because I, I'm not sure that LSU is going to be playing football this year. Uh, and you know, it, it's a it's a big you know for both these guys it's like a big ascension into running an NFL team and having full control over an NFL team. But uh, like I said, well, I no too right like mm-hmm. Phil Snow was coaching get, he was calling plays defensively against the Big Twelve and now he's doing it in the NFL. And you really don't see very many college guys jumped up to the NFL on the defensive side, right? Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. like yeah. you don't see a Dave Aranda jump. You don't see uh, a Brent Venables jump, but Phil Snow did. So I guess we'll see if some of these type of things work. I mean, if we see a three-safety tight front in the NFL, that's when coaching Twitter just gets horny out of their mind. Yeah, I, I was about to say, like all the high school coaches we follow and talk to are just going to absolutely nut their pants when they see that. Uh, yeah, that's really all we got in the Panthers takes. I, I think the NFC South could be a pretty fun division to watch this year, uh, even though I don't think the Falcons did a, a super great job this offseason. Uh, Joe Judge, my New York Giants, Joe Judge. Uh, not my New York Giants. That's just the one of the teams I cover. Lifelong fan. Yeah, lifelong fan of the New York Giants. Uh, Go Big Blue. <laughs> I I'm intrigued by this hire and I don't really have too many takes on it besides I've always wanted to see what another special teams coordinator could do. 
uh, as a head coach. Like we haven't really gotten one since Harbaugh, and that was a long time ago since he got hired by the Ravens. I think that was like 2008 or 2007, something like that. Uh, so now we're getting another one in Judge, and I mean he <laughs> he comes across as a hard ass, but I don't I, I don't know I I I, I kind of like him. He's very detail oriented. Obviously, like he's not going to take any crap, as we can see with. Uh, DeAndre Baker getting banned from freaking Zoom meetings after uh, his arrest last week. Uh, I mean, it's a big switch from going from from Shermer to Judge, and now you have Jason Garrett as the OC and Patrick Graham. He brought over from Miami, like uh, they were with uh, the Patriots together. I'm just kind of interested to see how this organizes itself out because, you know, like I said, these special teams guys don't really get a chance to be head guys, and I, I just think. You know, as a special teams coach, you're someone that ends up dealing with literally everyone on the team from the quarterbacks to the tight ends to the linemen to the defensive backs. And maybe you're not drilling them on specific things that they need to do to get good at offense or defense uh, on a consistent basis. But like you still have a basis of what a good player at those positions looks like. So I'm kind of interested to see how how it plays out. And uh, I don't think that anyone has terribly high expectations for the Giants this year, so it, it's just kind of a an experiment. And I, I think that that hire kind of caught people off guard, but uh, I, it's a it's an interesting test case to see if more special teams guys can get jobs if he has success there. Yeah, and I think we both kind of think the special teams thing is kind of interesting because you're dealing with so many things as a special teams coordinator that you're not dealing with as you know, even an offensive line coach or something, right? Like, if you're an offensive line coach, a guy gets hurt, you at least have two guys that you spent a pretty good amount of time with that can come up. Special teams coordinators, like, you're dealing with the bottom end of the active roster every single week. And the active roster is different than the 53, right? You're talking about game day roster. Like, those guys are changing all the time. And, like, one guy goes down, that completely changes your game plan, like, mid-game. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, like, they're having to deal with a lot of things that kind of prepares you, I think, for for head coach that um, other, like, even coordinators, you got so many bodies that you can deal with where only so many guys are going to be able to play special teams um, in the NFL, and they have to be, you know, basically active roster bubble guys on game day, and then you're not dealing with offensive line either. So, like, when you're really talking about the numbers, you're talking about a very small amount of guys that you basically just have to make shit work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, it was surprising, though, because I think the beginning of the Joe Judge rumors were basically like he was going to be a shoe-in to get the, the uh, Mississippi State job because I think yeah. that's his alma mater. Yep, it uh, is. And then he just randomly was like – the Gi- I think the Giants sat on their hands for a long time, didn't they? No, they didn't. Like Literally as soon as Matt, Riot, Matt Rule got hired by the Panthers, I think a few hours oh, later. Oh, that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. It was because Rule, Rule was basically like written, not even in pencil, like in Sharpie to the Giants, and then, uh, you know, he he never even made it to the interview. Like he never even got on a plane to go interview with them. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing the Panthers' offer offer was just so overwhelming. I mean, seven years full control, it's kind of hard to to turn that down. Yeah, I don't blame him. Plus, coaching contracts, buddy, those are fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Judge is interesting because they said that uh, Judge was, like, the best interview that they've ever had. I don't really know how much truth there is to that. It might be it's just they're, they're yeah. pumping what are, it up. What are you supposed to say? Yeah, but he, he got the Belichick and Saban co-sign, and then they lost out on Rule, and I guess they didn't want to wait for the enemy, and, and, and that was that. 
so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. Like you got a couple pieces on offense uh, with Saquon Barkley, obviously Daniel Jones, I think was more competent than I expected uh, a couple, like really, really honestly, like Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeitler, Andrew Thomas, like that's not a bad place to start on the offensive line. If those guys can stay healthy. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how, how, <laughs> how they end up playing. I, I think what, the defense What's the has, temperature on Nate Solder being there long-term. Cause at one point uh, Solder was the highest paid offensive tackle in the sport without ever making a pro bowl. And that was flabbergasting to me. And it seemed like, so they drafted Andrew Thomas at, what was four. it? Four? four. Yeah, four. Yeah. And then they drafted Pert, um, who I thought could have been the best offense tackle in the AAC, even though everyone talked about Josh Jones from Houston in the third. So mm-hmm. like, unless he's moving to guard or center, um, and they both they have two guards, so it would have to be center, right? Then if you spent a top 100 pick on a backup tackle, I mean, he's got to be pushing Solder at some point. Maybe not this year, but next year. No, honestly, I think if, if Solder didn't have – uh, 16 million dead cap. They probably would have cut him this off season, but yeah. it was it was expensive. And for some reason, they slapped the franchise tag on Leonard Williams to double down on that trade that they made last year. <laughs> uh, and Leonard Williams is now like the tenth highest paid hand in the dirt defensive lineman in the league. So that's uh, you, Leonard Williams has never been as good as he was as a rookie year, second year guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he's just basically steadily declined for the last. Three years, or not steadily declined, but definitely fallen off from his first two years in the league. Yeah, he never really got that much better. Uh, so they were kind of, they were, even though they had a ton of cap space at the start, they were a little cash strapped uh, when they started filling out the roster. And the Nate Solder cut was something they couldn't really afford because it's not like you're going to be able to try to find a trade partner for him. Uh, but my expectation is he plays out this year and then they can move forward with Thomas and Pert as the bookends. Like I, I watched them Pert. Uh, like you, and I, I really like his upside as a pass protector. Uh, so maybe yeah, he ends the up the only being... guy you should ever watch from that UConn team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe he can end up being uh, uh like a the future left tackle, and then you got your bookends of Will Hernandez as like a young core for the future. Uh, the NFC East got another new head coach in Ron Rivera for Washington. That one was like super fast. Like I think R- Rivera got fired by Carolina and within like less than a week maybe he had that job locked up with Washington and I don't know man like I don't think uh, Rivera's interesting because I don't think that he's like this awful coach but I don't think that this was the right hire for Washington to make I mean that offense is bad uh in, in terms of the talent that they have you have a young quarterback in Haskins who flashed during the season and then who flashed during the end of the season before he got hurt. And then you bring in someone who like kind of struggled to get a consistent offense going like Cam Newton. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it didn't seem like the right hire for this team at this time. No. And so like, I think the Rivera thing too, the reason it happened so quick, there are all those stories about, um, I think his dad was in the Navy or something and he like had been around in the area basically. So it was like almost like a coming back home type of thing. I don't know if he would have taken another job that quickly mm-hmm. um, if it were in a different area. But the, the thing that concerns me the most is, so he's a defensive coach. The offense coordinator, Scott Turner, who is the quarterback's coach of the Panthers the past few years. If you watch what Kyle Allen did and the fact that they've basically already given up on Will Greer, who was a top 100 pick, plus like Cam was never able to really improve on when he, on who he was once he got hurt, right? Um, 
Like, is that the guy you basically want no overhead for running your offense when you have mm-hmm. a quarterback, all your receivers who are anything good are young guys. You're replacing Trent Williams on the offensive line. Like there's a lot of stuff going on where I think Washington probably needed like an offensive minded guy more than anything. Um, yeah. To kind of help, help develop this offense. And I don't know if Scott Turner is that guy. I mean, obviously with, you know, name recognition and stuff like that, if, uh, Scott Turner does end up turning around this offense. I would think that he would be a quick riser up the coaching ranks and stuff, but um, I don't know. I, I'd like to see stability around a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who obviously didn't have a good rookie year, but I've often said, you know, rookie years for guys are basically fake. No, no yeah. one produces well as a rookie at a high clip. <laughs> you know, that's just yeah. not what happens in the NFL. These guys aren't ready. And Dwayne Haskins is probably like 22 or something like that. So, yeah, and I think it's for Haskins' case, at least it's good that he at least had that stretch at the end of the year where he he was like, okay, this is at least someone who can be a starter for us. Uh, now, whether that continues with um, with Rivera and, and Turner, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But I think the biggest roadblock for Washington is coming over the huge lack of talent that they have on offense. I mean. The offensive line is like you got a couple pieces in, in Scherf and Morgan Moses who who can play. Uh, but as we know by now, the offensive line is more about the sum of the parts and individual talent. And man, is the left side of that offensive line terrible? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. Schweitzer, you're Schweitzer. <laughs> yeah, I mean Schweitzer, I think is a like if you have him as your backup and he's your clear backup, that's not a bad spot to be in. If you're asking to start 16 games, uh, you're in a bit of a pickle. And then they signed Cornelius Lucas, who, like, it, it, he was, I, I think you can split his season as okay last year from what I've seen, where he was pretty good at right tackle for uh, Chicago, and now he's going to be playing left tackle. He's uh, like Cornelius Lucas, like should forever find work as a swing tackle. Yeah. Is basically like where his career lane should be. Where it's like you're probably you're a top fifty offensive tackle, but you're not a top or you're a top like eighty offensive tackle, but you're not a top fifty offensive tackle type thing. So Yeah. Uh and that's how I feel about West Fletcher too. So you have like two swing starters on the left side of your line that are gonna be starting sixteen games and the receiver situation is not looking great. I mean Terry McLaurin looked like looks like he's a stud and draft footer got one right but outside of him it's it's slim pickings i mean jordan reed has uh ha- has been released um i don't and know it, the tight room, it is a mixed bag uh i haven't really looked at it too much i just know the, that jeremy sprinkle the guy who got kicked out of the oh, store during yeah. the bowl game uh richard rogers who held aaron Rodgers down for a very long time Logan Thomas, former quarterback, turned uh, basically punt gunner slash uh, trick play guy. Um, let me Randy, uh, Randy's kid, Randy Moss. Yeah, that Thaddeus is Moss. Moss, who is a blocking tight end who I couldn't understand why people had him go in top 100. Just because he had and a lot of touchdowns. Caleb Wilson, who I think was Mr. Irrelevant and tweeted, like, it's a joke that the Cardinals are going to move past Josh Rosen, uh, his former teammate at UCLA and then subsequently got drafted by the Cardinals and did not make the team. Yeah. I mean, the front seven is going to be pretty good. Uh, 
mm-hmm. least the defensive line is. Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, John Allen, Deron Payne. Uh, like if Montez Sweat is your fifth best player, like you're, oh, maybe even six because Matt, I forgot Inadeus is uh, a good player too. Yeah. It's so like if you're, if you're in a spot where Sweat's like your sixth best defensive lineman, you're going to be able to put a lot of pressure on people. But I just don't know how much that matters if your offense and your secondary aren't that great. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. Like someone said to me and I forget again. I for, like I remember who said it to me and I forgot that this looks like a Ron Rivera team. Without Cam Newton, uh, the running backs are pretty strong. I think Adrian Peterson, Darius guys, Peyton Barber, Antonio Gibson, like that's not a bad group of guys to have. And then everything else is just kind of a disaster. Uh, so yeah, prayers up for Dwayne Haskins. And we're going to move on to another young quarterback looking to have a good year this season. Baker Mayfield, the Browns signed or they hired Kevin Stefanski, who was offensive coordinator in Minnesota last year. And I told Justice right before we were getting on that I am talking myself into rooting for i'm not rooting for the browns but i'm talking myself into the browns having a good offense yet again i mean look at all the pieces man like you got odell chubb uh landry kareem hunt uh austin hooper maybe is a little bit overrated as far as tight ends go but he's like stepping into the same exact situation he was in atlanta where we got two guys on the outside who are clearly going to eat up more coverage than i do all i have to do is kind of catch the ball and be good in space with it uh you got two tackles in, in the offseason, Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Wills has a bit of a projection moving over to the left side because he's primarily right tackle for Alabama. Like he has the traits to do it, but it's going to be maybe a little bit of a rough transition. But, man, I just look at all this talent and I like Stefanski's record, at least in terms of generating offense. And like, why why should I not believe in this team to to overcome their their struggles from last year? Uh, there's the Browns. They're the Cleveland Browns. I feel like we have a lot of evidence to not believe in that, but sure does look good on paper. And worst case scenario, Conklin can move to left tackle because he did yeah. that in college, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know who uh, the Browns' offensive coordinator is? Um, I actually don't. It's Alex Van Pelt, who uh, Mike McCarthy stripped play calling duties from once and then subsequently said, I'll never not call plays again. And now he's in Dallas not calling plays. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Do not trust this man at all. All he says is lies. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Did you see uh, the day Twitter went crazy because some dude trolled uh, Seahawks Twitter and made him think that they were going to get Miles Garrett in a trade? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> I thought awesome. that was hilarious. Yeah, and it was just like some Packers fan who was still salty about that playoff game from like, what, like six years ago? No, now? He, he was mad about uh, he was mad about Phil Mary. Oh, oh, that's right. Which I think was even longer ago. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but say how long ago was that game? That was like seven years, probably, the replacement ref year. Okay. Uh, So that must have been like 2012, because it wasn't the CBA year. It was the year after it, I think. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, man. I just like this offense, and I I like the idea of Stefanski being a more organized person than than Freddie Kitchens when it comes to potentially running the team. Uh, the defense has some pieces. I don't. I don't know like how much stock to buy into the defense. Uh, but I don't know. I, it's kind of like the same situation as the Cowboys, where I don't really know too much what to make of the defense. But I know I like a lot of the pieces on offense, and it, it's just kind of on Baker Mayfield, who quietly hasn't really done much of anything outside of like the second half of his rookie season. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I like this offense, and I'm. I think they're going to be good. Fine. I might be underrating uh, the difference between Freddie Kitchen and Kevin Stefanski. 
Um, but I do want the record to show the entire time people were hyping up Freddy Kitchens, I was very vocally asking people, are we really doing this over a career running back coach? And no one was on board with me. But I'm happy I'm vindicated. Yeah, you were you definitely nailed that one. Uh, now he's a tight ends coach with Joe Judge in the New York Giants. Uh, I don't have any more Browns or Stefanski takes. Let's move on to a couple uh, free agent uh, you know things we want to talk about. Linebackers got paid. Blake Martinez, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy. I think they all got at least nine million dollars per year. Which one of these has the best chance of working out? Oh, Jamie, because we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. That's, what that's I mean, I mean, I'm kind of interested in uh in Van Noy because Van Noy and Beagle in Miami, like they're neither of them are going to be dynamite pass rushers, but like you can do you can do a, a good amount of things with both of them in terms of mixing up where they play and with that investment, <laughs> the investments that Miami has made a cornerback with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and then Noah. Whatever I I don't want to butcher his last name, but the cornerback they drafted the the end of the first round out of Auburn, like I don't think it's a bad idea to have like all these premium pieces or premium investments at least at cornerback and then just try to generate mix and match stuff up front in terms of your pressure packages. So I'm I'm kind of intrigued by Kyle Van Noy in Miami, uh, and obviously he has familiarity with Brian Flores. He used to be with the Patriots, and that was the system that. Vinoy had his most success in. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. The Blake Martinez thing, you want to talk about that? He's not good. <laughs> what, is, what is there to talk about? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. I did see the graphic, though, that said, like, uh, what was it? It was like, which team has the best defender? And it was like, the best defender on each team listed. And the Giants were Blake Martinez. And I was like, that can't be true. And then yeah. I looked at their depth chart, and I was like, that's not true. I've been lied to. <laughs> There's no true. way. It's not Blake Martinez. I think – so all this linebacker stuff comes back to C.J. Mosley, right? Mm-hmm. Basically breaking the market. And then I think the linebacker market exploding in free agency is also why you saw uh, Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen go late in the first. Um, I think a couple of those were in trade-ups too. Um, so – yeah, I, I'm not really surprised that the market blew up after what C.A. Mosley did. When you get a guy like that, that he basically ends up ruining the rest of the market, even if it isn't a very valuable position, and then you see how free agency impacts the draft. So we have C.J. Mosley to blame for, for all of this stuff. I hope yeah. it was worth it. Now, we are not hating on players getting, players getting paid. We Absolutely just don't not. Think that they, That's why I'm Right. <laughs> <laughs> Trained pigs. They're not players. They're not people. They're just <laughs> see ball, chase ball. Let, let's be fair. I'm not opposed to CJ Wellesley getting paid. I'm opposed to Blake Martinez getting played, paid. I'll okay. say that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of weird. Like I don't I don't think that Blake Martinez makes the Giants defense like any better. Uh, I like I, they the des- like the the issue with their defense last year was that they couldn't really cover anyone and they were slow on the second level i mean if you go back and watch that uh me and my co-worker pat leonard we when we were watching the the eagles game the second time like late in the season when they're making that playoff push boston scott like just came out and tortured giants like two times and we started calling boston scott the giant slayer and there's no reason that boston scott should like ever be someone that ruins your day more than once uh 
and a lot of that comes back to they were just pretty slow at linebacker. Ogletree can't run like he used to. And if you don't want to see slow linebackers, don't put on Packers, Eagles, or Packers, Niners. So. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really think that Martinez makes a defense that much better. But hey, you know, good for him for getting paid. Uh, someone who did not get paid the way they thought they were going to. Melvin Gordon, the newest running back for the Denver Broncos. I mean, I don't. I can't think of a, a holdout that was ever botched worse than this one. No, because people people say that Le'Veon lost his holdout, right? And that's a pretty dumb thing to do because there there were choices he made basically. Um, but Melvin Gordon, there's no way to spin that where it's like, dude didn't just make a massive mistake. Yeah. Because uh, not only did he leave and hold out, but like Austin Eckler was way better than him. Way and, better. <laughs> yeah. One of the best receiving backs in the league last year. Uh, there's no promise Gordon is even really the starter this year. Like, no, would it help you if he was the number two back there? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all because I, I think Philip Lindsay has proven himself that he deserves a chance to start the season as a starter, and Gordon is probably going to take a backseat to him. Like I just don't, I, I I I almost feel bad for him because you know you want these guys to get their money, and especially at running back where like you only really get a few years to play before your body starts falling apart on you, and for him to just you know not get anywhere close to what he's expecting, I mean it it, it sucks for him. Uh, and now he's stuck in a situation where he has no more long-term security really for the rest of his career. I think a lot of this comes back down to like Tevin Coleman and his contract. So I think a lot of these running back contracts that we expect to go much higher basically come down to like, is this player clearly better than Tevin Coleman? Why are we clearly going to pay him more than what Tevin Coleman got? Right. Mm-hmm. But like if you ask that question with Melvin Gordon, then this contract versus what he was asking for makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's just it's a hard time to be a running back out here. Uh, and move he, to he, linebacker. They're getting paid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, if you listen to us, uh, you should definitely go play linebacker uh, for for someone that will have you. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it it, it just kind of it's kind of crazy the the shelf life on these guys. Where you know a couple of years ago, Melvin Gordon was. Uh, you know, one of the more productive running backs in the league. And now, like, I don't think anyone will be surprised if he was kind of out of here in like two or three years. And it's just wild how fast that that position kind of flips on itself. Uh, Yeah. So don't let your kids play running back. That's the main takeaway from the Melvin Gordon situation. Uh, I guess we should talk about Tom Brady, right? Sure. I've heard of him. What do you think? Like, how much better does this offense get with Tom Brady at the helm? Is he better than Jameis Winston? I am not sure. At this is, point. Is Gronkowski not, alive? I last am time not I sure. saw Gronk, he, he, I'm not getting excited about the last time I saw Gronk. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone really should be. Uh, maybe a, a year off did him good, but... Like, you're asking him to get back into playing shape real quick. He wasn't great the last time we saw him. I mean, e- even though, you know, he's making that clutch play in the Super Bowl against the Rams where he caught the ball that let them get the go-ahead score to kind of close the game up. But, like, outside of that, I I don't really think that – the, the, the name brand recognition is more exciting than the actual product that's been put on the field recently. I mean, Brady has just kind of been – 
he was just kind of like all right last season. I mean, statistically, he was not one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He was straight up below average. Uh, maybe the Patriots supporting cast was just so bad uh, last year that that's what was centering back and not the fact that he's freaking 41 years old and going to be 42 this year. Or is he going to be 43 this year? He's going to be something. I'm not sure. He's going to be closer to 50 than 30. Let's just leave it at that. Uh I I don't I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems like a huge gamble for this team to take. And but but at the same time, it's not like they really had many more options because uh, unless they want to trade up in the draft for for Herbert, this was kind of this might have been their best option uh, this season. And if there's anyone that can make this thing work, maybe it's Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, just like the brain trust of that. But this offense does not get me too excited like i still think that they're very clearly behind the saints when it comes to the nfc south and uh they're probably a little bit better than the falcons because the defense isn't terrible but i just don't know how much tom brady makes you better in 2020 i know you know their business is going to be looking good because i'm sure that they sold a trillion tom brady bucks jerseys and and gronkowski jerseys but on the field it just kind of seems like we're paying for the name rather than the actual production. Uh, I, I think that getting Tristan Wirfs was a, a good start for that. Yeah, definitely. Him, yes. I mean, him, him, Ryan Jensen and Ali Marpet, like that's not a bad place to be in terms of offensive linemen. It's just got to be up to Brady to, to kind of get that thing back in motion and, and look a little bit more like 2018 Brady than 2019 Brady, even if 2018 Brady was kind of when we started to see the decline, like really start for him. Yeah, and I will say, I think we'll figure out pretty fast what Tom has left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and OJ Howard as pass catchers, the thing you're not going to be doing is running a dink and duck offense, right? Like, they're probably going to be running something closer to, like, the deep passing game stuff that they had when Randy Moss was there mm-hmm. uh, with the Patriots with him. So, I mean, we're going to figure out pretty quick if he still has that, that deep arm, because if not, I mean, they're just basically going to be wasting this offensive talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think Godwin might, you know, just in terms of physical talent, is probably the, the best slot receiver that he's had. But I, I I don't like the fit with Mike Evans, and we don't know what Gronk has left in the tank. So it's just – it's a lot more questions, I think, than people are really asking of this team. Uh, Agreed. Than, you know, like it, it's not a really clean fit that – Brady and Gronk are just going to get get it back together and reunite the gang and, and take the, the Bucks on a playoff run. It, it, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the team missed the playoff. Uh, I think that, that having Todd Bowles running that defense again is, is really good because they were a lot better, I think, than people were expecting last year, especially, like, their pass defense improved towards the end of the season. But, you know, it, it's an offense-driven league, and the offense has a bunch of question marks, to me at least. Right, I was gonna say Todd Bowles' defenses weren't even that bad in in uh, New York. Right, <laughs> it was just the offensive side of the ball just tanked out. So yeah, I, I really respect Bowles as a defensive mind. Um, everywhere he goes, he's basically turned that thing around. So, uh, yeah, let's zoom through these quarterback landing spots in the draft, and then we'll talk about you know the hot topic in the world, COVID nineteen. Uh, Burrow was completely expected. I mean, that's been expected basically since last fall that he was going to wind up being the number one pick and the Bengals ended up getting him. Uh, I I kind of like the idea that they can get off the ground a little bit faster than last year if A.J. Green is healthy, but there's no guarantee that 
he's healthy because he's been pretty banged up the past few years. But, you know, Burrow, I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I do believe that he can immediately come in and be an effective starter for Cincinnati. I think he's very Dak-like. I know everyone makes the Romo comparison, but I think he's much more Dak-like. Uh, that's like we were talking about. That's not a bad thing. Um, no, you take that. That's a right. yeah. In a redraft, Dak goes number one in his class. So like, what are we even talking about? Right. Uh, I I I am still just intrigued by the idea of having. You know, and they drafted T. Higgins, too, like A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, John Ross, like all competing for snaps. That's not a bad situation to step in. And and if Jonah Williams, like people forget or I don't know if people forget, but, you know, he was drafted uh, early last year. Like 11th or something. Yeah. Like he's going to come in and play offensive line. It's 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 a. It's not a bad situation for a number one pick to step in. And we've certainly seen number one picks step in the worst situations than the one that Burrow's entering. Uh, Zach Taylor obviously still has to prove himself as an NFL player caller, but, like, the talent isn't bad. Uh, it, I don't even know what to think of Zach Taylor anymore. Because, like, <laughs> I remember there was a wide receiver wearing single digits who was starting for them in game three, and then he ended up starting for them. Um, or, like, game three of the preseason, and then he ended up uh, making the team. What's his name? Damian Willis. He's a UDFA rookie here, and he started week one for him out of Troy. So, like, that team was in such bad shape that I'm like, whatever even happened last year, I'm not even passing a judgment. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I was kind of a, a little bit impressed, like, not with the execution, but some of the play calling. Ryan Finley – clearly proved himself not to be an NFL quarterback like quickly uh, when he started getting into uh, when he stepped in for Andy Dalton towards the end of the season. And I, I still think it's so funny that they just shoved Andy back in uh, at the end of the season and let him go out with a two and 14 roster in a year where he got benched. But, uh, you know, Burrow is going to come in and be like the unquestioned starter. And if they can implement and make him comfortable running empty and five wide at the NFL level, I don't think it's unreasonable for for Cincinnati maybe to get like five wins this year. But the AFC North, if if Big Ben's healthy, that division is going to be pretty damn tough. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. And a lot of those games are primetime too. I saw the NFL primetime schedule. So, I mean, maybe that stuff changes if they, they move stuff around and schedules have to change. You never know. But that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tua, is he going to play this year? I don't know. I know that there were people in in uh, Miami, I guess, who were kind of of split opinions of like where to go with that pick, which I don't think is any different than anyone else in the world. Where they're like, you know, we can see the obvious glaring risk of like injury and stuff like that, but um, the talent's there. I don't know. I don't know if he starts this year, but like, yeah, if you're Miami, I mean, Miami. Here's a hot take. Miami might be able to win that conference without playing Tua, I think. Is there a... The side... conference or the division? Division. Division, sorry. Let's say. The delete, that, delete that. Delete that. <laughs> get it off. Get it off. Get it off. Get it off. Don't screenshot that. No, yeah. The, the division, I mean, is Fitzpatrick the best quarterback in the division right now? I Could don't be. think that's... I don't Could think that's a bad... Yeah, I think it's a bad take. Yeah. So. Um... The AFC East is so interesting because, like, I wouldn't be surprised really if if, if no one has their shit together yet. Yeah. 
like, like four I teams get... that are still rebuilding, and they're like, oh fuck, someone's gotta win this. Yeah, I get why Patriots fans believe in Jared Stidham because like, why the hell not? You still got the goat coach controlling things, but look, Scarf's retired now though. It's a different game. Okay, I was talking about Belichick. I know it was a joke. Yeah, I, I got you. I was just trying to explain that to uh to people who who may not get that. Uh, but I mean, even without Scar, like the 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 Patriots offensive line has some talent. It's just kind of getting everyone back to 100. percent Uh, so like that's like the only part of the Patriots offense that is even semi intriguing to me. Like their offensive line talent. Uh, Sony Michelle has done absolutely nothing since being a first round pick outside of score like that game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh. I don't know what your top first round picks equal Super Bowl rings at yeah. running back. I don't know what you mean. That's very true. They did win a ring the year that they drafted him in the first round, and he did score the game winning touchdown. So maybe I should just shut the hell up about that. But uh, Edelman and Sanu and Matt Lacosta tight end is not very exciting. And Nikhil Harry did virtually nothing last year. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was banged up for a good chunk of it, but there's they're not in good shape on offense. Like, whatsoever to me and now you're throwing in this guy who like the last time we saw him get real meaningful playing time in the regular season he was getting pulled in a blowout win over the jets when he threw a pick six to jamal adams and i mean they were up like 30 to 7 when he threw that pick in the fourth quarter and belichick still pulled him uh so we'll see how that goes i wouldn't be surprised if maybe they finagle some things with a cap space and try to make a run of Cam Newton and try to get him to take a discount. Well, they can but... still do the Thuny thing, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. they can still move Thuny, which is the big kind of pivot point thing. Um, yeah. Say. But other than that, they don't really have much room to make... Like, they don't really have a lot of cap space to make moves on, on their offense. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't really know about the AFC East. Uh, the Dolphins could very well win if their defense takes the next step. I mean, I thought that, that Flores did a good job calling plays last year. They just didn't really have any talent to go with. Now, Bro, you know, the, the way that team fought to even get the fifth pick with the roster that they had has me pretty optimistic about who Flores is as a head coach. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. They, had, they had no reason really getting even the fifth pick in the draft. And uh, we were talking about this team being the worst ever. Two weeks in, it was like they, no one could match up to them. Uh, yeah, and they gave up. I think they gave up over like a hundred points in the first two weeks because I know they gave up fifty nine to Baltimore. I think they gave up forty something to New England, and then by the end of the season, like they had beat New England. Uh, I, like Ryan Fitzpatrick getting himself together and and playing some actually pretty effective ball down the season was was fun to watch, and now they have. In theory, the quarterback of the future, they've made some moves on the offensive line. I don't know how many of them are going to work out, like Eric Flowers. Uh, but it's not a, as bad a situation as they were in last year. And I, I think that most people should be impressed with what they pulled off last year, especially towards the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Brian, Brian Flores that he kind of found his spot in, and found the quarterback that, that maybe he wanted and is going to get a chance to – really build his team now justin herbert and jordan love like they're kind of in the same boat to me well not love we won't see for a long time but herbert in, in terms of rawness and how far away they are from being like viable starters they're kind of in the same boat to me that's fun i'm interested not even as much 
in Herbert as I am in Anthony Lynn and what that offense can look like under Anthony Lynn. Because when Lynn was running Buffalo, Tyrod was doing a lot more option stuff than the rest of the league was basically at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, he obviously couldn't do that with fucking Phillip Rivers. But now with Tyrod, him, and uh, who is it, Easton Stick, the uh, North Dakota State guy who they have, who I think he rushed for like 2,000 yards at North Dakota State. Um, I think they can kind of open up that offense to be more uh, kind of quarterback run built. Um, and I think that would be really interesting because, like, Herbert, last time we saw Herbert, he had three rushing touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, obviously. And mm-hmm. now his uh, quarterback coach is Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton at the XFL level ran the D.C. team, and he had Cardell Jones doing a bunch of stuff and would put in uh, Tyree Jackson, the the uh, rookie from, from Buffalo, and to run, like, option sub packages and things like that. So, you know, I think, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, they might be the next kind of Baltimore in that way, in terms of like utilizing the run game with quarterbacks. Yeah. Herbert and Tyra are just so different. I mean, yeah. Herbert's a strider, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a big difference between a guy who's good in, in short areas and can burst and accelerate like that, like uh, Kyler Murray, Versus a long strider like uh, Herbert, who like is more Kaepernickish, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm not really in on it long term, but you know this year, like you said, Tyrod and Lynn kind of getting back together because yo those like those Buffalo offenses or maybe it was just one year when uh, it was like Tyrod, Shady, Mike Gillisley. And Richie Incognito, like on the offensive line, that was that was a pretty fun team to watch. Not only in terms of like schematically what they were doing, but the execution of it. Uh, they and don't Gilles have the offense. had like sixty carries and like ten rushing touchdowns that year, or something. Yeah. He, he broke like everyone's EPA models. They don't have the offensive line talent that uh, Buffalo did that year. Not even close. It's a really bad situation up there. But maybe Anthony Lynn can. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Scheme it up uh, because you know, we'll I still I still believe that Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp have a chance, but we'll see. I forgot that Forrest Lamp was even a thing. I'm not, they just keep getting hurt. They yeah. keep getting hurt. Those two keep getting hurt. Pouncey's fine at center. He's not as good as people make him out to be, um, in my opinion. But he's a very solid starter. And then Brian Balaga at right tackle. Oh, I forgot they signed him. Ten games that you get him. Yeah, but like I said, Blog is going to be good for the 10 games you get him for. It's the other six that you worry about, but left tackle is going to be the big question. Uh, yeah, so floor is yours. Jordan Love, like, where is your head at now that we're, you know, a few weeks out from the draft? Do you, do you still feel as bad as you did when the pick got announced? Yeah, the player didn't change. The pick didn't change. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're sending Aaron Rodgers off to sea. I can't wait to move the team. I'm I'm excited. This is all Mark Murphy's fault. Remember this. Why is it his fault? He's running the team with no oversight. He yeah. basically has NFL owner power, and all he's ever done is run the athletic department of fucking Northwestern. And now he has NFL head coaches and general managers report to him, whereas, like, Ted Thompson, when he ran the team, everyone reported to him directly. And now we have, like, split power going to mark murphy to make sure that things are okay when things need to get done and that stuff matters more than people think like the reason bill o'brien's able to do these stupid trades is because he's the only person in power right 
Right. Like that's what people need to remember. And one of the thing, one of the reasons why the Patriots are able to move around all the time is because Bill Belichick doesn't report to anyone but Bill Belichick. Right. So like mm-hmm. that, that that singular power thing can be very good when it's in good hands, like a Bill Belichick or a Ted Thompson, but it can be very bad if it's in the bad hands. So. Yeah. Uh, I just don't, I, I said it earlier, but the Jordan Love thing where they're like, yeah, and his la- the last year of his rookie deal, they can like extend him for the cheap before he really proves himself. And it's like, we're doing this to save $10 million. What are we, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, Rogers is, is financially stuck until like for three more seasons. So I, 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 this just feels like the wrong time to pick a quarterback in the first round for. That's what, if you were going to do it, you should have done it before you just gave Rodgers a contract. Right. Like that's when you should have done it. But yeah, they Um, didn't, they, they sure didn't. And we took a running back three in the second round. We took a full back in the third. Mm -hmm. Very fun stuff. Very fun stuff. Yep. Lo siento. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about the Jordan Love pick. Is, um, I, I was not They said he's Mahomes, so it's okay. Right, yeah. If you just look at their production side by side. Okay. <laughs> can put an end to that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't like the player, but maybe in, th- maybe in three years when his rookie contract is about to be up, he looks like a brand new player and ready to take the league by storm. That's like the, the all I got on Jordan Love. It's, personally for him, it's a great situation to be in. For everybody else, not so great. Uh, and we the other thing not- that's funny too, remember the uh, Brady Garoppolo stuff where they have the same agent and they got in a real pickle trying to figure out how can we extend Jimmy Garoppolo without letting uh, Brady's agency know? And then they have to trade Garoppolo because of all this drama? Yes, I yeah. do. Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers are in the same agency. So. Oh, God. Yeah, buddy. So, like, even all that, you know, extend him in year three or four of this contract and then send Rodgers on his way. It's like, ah, oh, Rodgers is going to be keeping daily tabs on this. So, Woof. That's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, prayers to Jordan Love. Hopefully he doesn't get bullied too hard. Uh, he has a smooth transition into being a backup for three years after being Spe- a first Speaking of uh, Jordan Love and hoping – people the best buddy the nfl draft did a lot of trauma porn and the worst one was jordan love i don't know if you guys have the pick um on like youtube or something like that but go and watch it and there's they basically ask him about his dead dad halfway through uh his interview like out of nowhere yeah uh it's like the entire draft process or the entire draft broadcast was really sad and depressing to watch like the only thing that was kind of giving it comic relief at least through uh, like throughout all of it was just seeing how tired roger goodell would get by the end of like the first round and when he starts sitting down he's like nah bro <laughs> I, um, I can't stand up for this long but I was, yeah man it was it was tough to watch uh like so many of these guys have depressing stories and i mean it, it, to but me some it, of them seem manufactured like yeah. one of them was like his grandma beat cancer four years ago, and I was like, "Do we have to do this for every single person?" Yeah, and there was another one where it was like their grandma had died like a long time ago. Like it was, it was like their grandma had died like ten years ago, and she was like eighty something. And I was like, "Okay, that's really not 
that sad of a story, nor is it really relevant to right now. Like you're just kind of fishing for stuff to make people sad. And you know, we go through this stuff all the time where you have majority black guys entering the league and we just got to focus on all the things that have gone wrong in their life instead of, you know, focus on focusing on like anything positive. I think I made a joke on day three when the Giants picked Darnay Holmes. Like that was the first time where there was a black person who was drafted that didn't have like this horrifically depressing story or something that they tried to fish. It was like, yeah, this guy was like a genius at UCLA. He's pretty athletic and maybe he can be a, a high upside swing. And I was like, oh, that was nice. That was refreshing draft analysis, not trauma porn that's going to make me cry when I turn the TV off later tonight. Uh, yeah, and and I think that that really sad segue is a good way to end the podcast with <laughs> COVID-19 talk. Uh, this stuff is scary, man. Uh, like, not even joking, just being genuine. Like, it's it's. The whole thing is scary. The actual virus is scary. Our response to it initially is scary. Our response to it now is scary. The fact that we're just going to try to power through and ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist so we can play football in the fall or at least NFL in the fall is is pretty scary. Um, It's it's really messed up how we kind of exist as a group of people and. It, it just seems wrong to me that sports are just so heavily the focus of what we're like, – it, it seems wrong to me that we're just focusing on sports so much as we try to you know, attempt to get back to normal when we haven't even really beat this thing. All we've done is just kind of slow down the spread, but we know how viruses work, you know, and we know how contagious this is. And for us to just before, – before we've actually put it out, for us to get back on top of things, it's just it's, – it's kind of gross to me and – it makes me sad, honestly, that we are going to endanger lives for a game as much as we love this game. Did you see the uh, MLB thing where they sent out the test? Um, I saw a little bit of it, but you should definitely explain more. It was like, uh, I think it was something like a thousand tests per each MLB franchise. And uh, they sent them out and something like, I think it was like, 0.7 to 2% of people came back positive, which you would think is like good, but is actually kind of like a bad indication of like how few people have actually been impacted by this and how far we still have to go type thing. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't developed herd immunity. Like everyone's talking about like, well, how long are we supposed to be shut down? Well, it's like we're slowing this down until people get herd immunity eventually. But I mean, buddy, the scientists were saying 18 months. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> just because you, I understand the people who are like the governor lied to me and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you should critically evaluate people in public offices like that. But the science hasn't changed. Yeah. And I saw that uh, Jeff Passan for ESPN, uh, he reported that each baseball team is going to need 10,000 tests a week to make this happen, which is tests that you're taking away from you know, the general public, like, it's not like we have, I think like the NBA said that they're not going to be using tests that aren't available to the public, but seems like the NFL are like full speed ahead. Mm -hmm. The other thing that people don't realize, I think enough is the NFL has TV contracts that are coming up. Right. Buddy, this is a big year for the NFL. Um, So they need to kind of get that right. And then the whole thing of, 
you know, if college football isn't played, there's already ideas of them playing on like basically pay-per-view stuff on Saturdays to make up the money that would be coming through ad revenue that is now going to be less. Um, because as you could probably speak to as someone who works um, online in newspapers that is largely built off of advertising, advertisers aren't super pumped to advertise right now because no one's really buying anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the big thing with newspapers right now. Like I, I can share, you know, as, as far as the daily news goes, uh, you know, subscriptions are way up because people are uh, at home and they have content to consume. So people are buying subscriptions to the magazine. But, you know, like most newspapers, the, the ad revenue has has struggled. Uh and we've seen tons of people get furloughed. I mean, I'm still upset about what has happened to SB Nation, where they effectively killed the site uh, by furloughing people for three months because you can't be furloughed for three months. You can't go three months without a paycheck. You're going to have to find something else to do. And I think that that was intentional. Uh, it, it's just a it's a really bizarre and scary time. And I think, you know, the NFL, they're going to charge through and, and play the season. But you know, Ryan Nanny, who I used to work with at SB Nation, joked with me, like, this is how Nathan Peterman ends up making the Pro Bowl because this stuff, <laughs> it spreads like wildfire, man, and it's contagious. Yeah. And well, even someone it, like Patrick Peterson Mahomes, if he saying. gets sick. How, Peterson was like, Peterson, Doug Peterson was like, you know, one of the reasons we take uh, Jalen Hurts is like, what if Carson Wentz gets COVID? Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. a real thing. Baseball's talked about that, too, and they were talking about, you know, you have to cancel the whole season if someone gets it? And they were like, absolutely not. Like, we're going to have expanded rosters because we assume some of these people are going to get it. Yeah. And, I mean, it, the, I don't, it's just – it's careless. The, the It's just very flippant with with human lives. I mean, what if the, – the coaches that are around these guys are old. Like, Bill Belichick's yeah. 70. Andy Reid's in his 60s. Pete Carroll's almost 70. Dude, Dave Gettleman is wearing a mask in his own home. Right. right, because he he beat he's cancer. Yeah, he's gone through health issues before. So like, what what happens there? Like, if you can't be in meetings to make decisions on a franchise that you're running, like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Over and then that thing would come down to unions and how all this stuff is going to be an issue for players' union because like, if it's not safe for fans to be there, why is it safe for players? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you have to explain yourself and all that and. The NFL, like I said, the NFL is going to be losing money on on ad revenue, which is why they'll probably go to the pay-per-view model for those Saturday games. Like, what's going to happen when they ask players to take a pay cut during a pandemic and have them play in empty stadiums because it isn't safe for fans? Like, that's going to be an issue. That's going to be something that is going to be talked about. Yep. Um, And God forbid, like, someone dies, you know, during the season. That would be catastrophic and it'd be traumatic and we're taking a big risk by making that happen and i, I thought that you know blake snell the I, I didn't know he existed until last week but the pitcher for the tampa bay rays who who went viral with that clip where he was talking about that it just makes no sense for him to go play with such a massive pay cut because at least what mlb has proposed is the players and the owners agreed that since the season is going to be 80 games long, which is half the length of a normal season, that they would take a 50% pay cut. I don't know if I was agreed to that, but they did. So that's an agreement between the owners and the players. That's fine. Now the owners are trying to push a 33% pay cut on the 50% that's already gone. 
which at that point you're asking like is this really worth the risk for me to get what's amount to such a massive pay cut from what I would have been getting paid this year. And not only that is you basically have to be sequestered from your family. Mm-hmm. To do this. Like that's the other big part is like you talk about an NFL, like a sports season, right? It's not the N- NBA playoffs, right? We're, you're talking about months on end um, that these guys can be sequestered from their family. Like that's a pretty big difference and a pretty – lofty thing to ask for anyone let alone people who are going through this type of thing like what happens if someone decides to play in the nfl and someone in their family gets sick they can't go back and like right there's yeah there's so many things that haven't like we're just in the beginning stages of how, how you manage expectations with this stuff which is why you know college football you're dealing with campuses you're dealing with conferences you're dealing with out-of-conference opponents you're dealing with all these things you're dealing with an athletic department that is built to work season by season so like these people who work in the fall also work in the spring and in the winter on like basketball and stuff well if you move college football to the spring you're gonna have all these things run into each other you don't have people in the athletic you don't have enough bodies in the athletic department to run all these sports at the exact same time and athletic departments are probably gonna have to cut back anyway right because mm-hmm. we already missed out on some seasons um, we missed out on March Madness, which is huge for these schools. So, like, it's just very hard for me to imagine how college football is going to be played this year. Like, I think the NFL will figure it out because they'll do things like mass testing, sequestering players, and all that stuff just because, one, you don't have to deal with campuses. Two, you don't have to deal with the idea of amateurism. Um, and, frankly, players are willing to pay, play. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't – I don't think the NFL would be – dealing with the same PR that college campuses would. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of the big difference between those two with colleges, man. Like there's so many moving parts and it's already May. Like this is going to get kind of, and if you thought the NFL draft 2020 was crazy, think about 2021 where already these scouts who around this time around the draft would already be visiting schools for spring games, et cetera. They weren't even able to go to pro days. They're not able to go to spring practice. They weren't able to go to these spring games. So, like, now we're starting with the NFL that's basically starting building out this draft class with a blank slate versus building the information on the seniors, at least, um, through the spring. And what is going to happen if there's not even uh, college football played? Like, that just takes it to another step. Like, I've been saying this since the beginning, but I think the 2021 draft is going to be way crazier than the 2020 draft. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, like it, it's crazy to think that we might have seen Trevor Trevor Lawrence play his last college football game already, and like that was nobody's mindset at the time that LSU beat Clemson. Like, it, it, like so much has happened in the past few months. This and, stuff happened so fast. The, the week that the XFL stopped, it was like the week before that. Like people weren't didn't realize how severe it was going to be right mm-hmm. like i think i think it really was that what was it the friday the 13th that the nba stopped i think that was kind of the turning point where everyone realized like how big of a deal this is going to be yeah and I, I i don't know if you saw this but while you've been recording brett mcmurphy uh who's now at stadium i think he used to be at espn i'm pretty sure yeah. uh he tweeted one uh, Notre Dame announces that fall semester will begin on August 10th, 
two weeks earlier than scheduled. They will cancel fall break in October and end the semester before Thanksgiving. And he, he also has a quote from West Virginia uh, University President Gordon Gee, uh, who told Paul Feinbaum, quote, if one of our athletes gets coronavirus, we can't just shut the whole thing down. We have to learn how to control that part of it, which is – I don't I, Notre Dame's going to be in a weird spot, too, because they don't have to deal with the conference, right? So, like, one of the yeah. things we heard when we were talking, when I was still working with the XFL, is, like, maybe a conference-only schedule um, once you can ramp up. But, like, how does that work for, for a team like Notre Dame? Because I think Notre Dame's athletic department, um, it was either their AD or their, their president said that they wouldn't be playing games in empty stadiums at one point. I don't know if that still holds today or if he's changed the story, but. Uh, he's someone said that at some point yeah i don't know it, it, it's just with the way that things have gone so far uh how can we get to a point in really just a few months because the summer like the summer is basically here and we are going to get to a place where it's time for kids to move back to school how can you have, you know, Notre Dame is a smaller school. They have like 9,000 kids, uh, which is still a lot of people to just have clustered in one area. Or you look at Clemson, they have almost 20,000. Ohio and State. Not, not only that, from all around the country that are coming to one area. Right. Who are right. going back and forth. Because that was the big thing with March Madness. That was uh, maddening, I guess, um, was that you were going to have these kids from all around the country go to certain spots around large crowds, disperse, go back to campus, and then go to a different spot, and then disp- like just back and forth. You know, like that's how things spread extremely quickly. That's what you can't be doing, which is why, you know, the conference-only proposals and stuff were made. So, mm-hmm. it, it, We just have a long way to go. Uh, and even with the NFL, like they haven't really addressed the issue of training camp, which has to happen before the season. They didn't say anything about mini camp. I thought that was going to be the big story because we heard, you know, camp might not start until like August, right? Yeah. So uh, kind of under that assumption. So we were like, no rookie mini camp. That means they can't sign. Because this was still, once the XFL stopped their season, but the XFL still had plans for 2021, right? We mm-hmm. revamped for, uh, we basically just went deep dive into 2020 draft class and made sure everything was packed for there. And our, our whole plan was basically like attack these 2020 guys because if you're not going to have rookie minicamp, that means you're not going to have the 90-man roster of rookie minicamp, which means all those guys who aren't straight-up UDFAs who signed right after the draft, those are all tryout guys, right? So the NFL wasn't going to be able to have those tryout guys, so we were going to be able to potentially pounce on some of these guys for the XFL immediately after the draft if they didn't sign UDFA contracts. And you know, by the time the draft happened, we realized, you know, the XFL was done for, um, at least, you know, kind of as we knew it. So um, those those things were kind of out of the window. But the NFL never announced that rookie minicamp wasn't going to happen. They just ended up doing it online, right? Like it was never a, a formal statement, a change in the calendar, et cetera. It was just like, yep, we're pivoting to this. So they're mm-hmm. being very transparent about what their plans are, but. Honestly, compared to like some of what these schools are doing and stuff, it's not even that bad because at the end of the day, it's just the NFL. Where like some of these schools are saying, you know, we're planning to have school in the fall, but I mean, I could plan to have school in the fall. What does that actually mean, right? That doesn't yeah. mean we're actually going to have school in the fall. It just means you know these schools are kind of trying to swindle 
freshmen into not staying out a year because they need money. Yeah. And I mean, the, the frustrating part is we could have, like, we could have been in a situation where we could definitely have football in the fall and all that stuff. We had gotten a, a quicker grasp on how quickly coronavirus could really just shut down our country back in January, which is when, you know, at least the federal government knew about it. But well, we're in anything. a worse spot now than we are in January. Like, right. right. How, how much of it is out there right now and stuff is opening up. So, I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, Americans don't like being told what to do. So it's going to have to be the country opening up, people still not going out, and then people realizing we need to turn to the government and ask for assistance that way. Right? Americans do not like being told what to do. So, you know, if the free market says that people don't want to go out, then that's when we'll start being like, oh, we need to be taking this way more seriously. Yep. Uh, And, you know, like you said, RIP to the XFL. It was was honestly a, a great product. Like, I know we talked a bunch of shit about summer leagues and stuff like that, but, like, the fact that it was watchable and the, the quality of the play was actually pretty good and a bunch of guys have gotten uh, to the NFL since then, that was a that, that was a really good product, and it sucks that it's gone. Agreed. I have nothing to add. <laughs> you know, it was fun. Um, I met a bunch of people uh, putting it together. I'm very happy that kind of... On our end, because we ran personnel, right? We didn't run the XFL. We just we ran basically the player pool. That our process was proven in some ways. Um, I'm happy that I learned how to communicate with basically a pro league and what pro coaches' expectations and needs are um, and stuff like that. Like I got a lot of on-hands experience and stuff, but it's done – and it's not my fault, and I had to accept that. That was pretty tough. That yeah. it wasn't my fault because like it ends, and then it's like two days of like what could I have done different? And then you just realize like, dude, it's a global pandemic. There's literally nothing I could have done different. <laughs> yep. And you know, that's but I'm at peace now. I'm still doing we're doing some work uh, for prep for like 2021 stuff, and then I'm playing Warzone with you guys and stuff. Yep, and uh, we uh, I haven't played in a few days, but we we did like the NCAA 14 super intensive house rules with promotion and relegation through three or four main conferences, and uh, that's that's been a nice way to kind of unplug from the yeah, this staying uh, just not having your brain rot while you stay inside. Good yeah, good things that we're doing. <laughs> so uh, on that note. This is an awkward ending, but that's going to be the end of uh, episode 93. You know, the Bears Central. traded for, for Nick Foles. Oh, yeah. I forgot the Bears. I can't trade. believe it. Yeah. Wow. It. Amazing. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys sometimes when we're, we're feeling. The Lions paid Vitae. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... The NFC North just took a dump on themselves this year. It did. I was like that division is not great. Like even the the Vikings received the Vikings right. draft. I thought was really good. Unfortunately, yeah, it's good. You just kind of need Justin Jefferson to step up and immediately produce. But all right, we'll talk to you guys another time when uh, we're feeling upbeat again. Because now we're sad again. See ya. <laughs>